1: Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Fiji make a winning start to the World 7 Series. Concerns over the progress in Vanuatu towards the 2017 mini-games, and Pacific lifters remain upbeat following the world weightlifting champs. But first, Papua New Guinea Rugby League say they are disappointed Mel Meninga didn't give them a heads-up before accepting the Australian coaching job. Meninga's been employed as the organisation's performance director since 2013 and was contracted to coach the Kumuls until the 2017 World Cup. PNG Rugby League CEO Bob Cutmore is disappointed they found out the news second-hand.
2: Congratulations have to go to Mal for his appointment. If you get offered to coach any national team in your home country, it should always be a priority. It's a wonderful reward for everything that he's put into rugby league. Where it sits with us as PNG is a different kettle of fish. I am disappointed because the office hasn't heard anything from Mal Regarding his appointment, that could be just an oversight, and I could well imagine that in the time, but it is a bit disappointing to me that we haven't been officially informed that he was going to take the position when he has a current contract with us.
1: Because his contract, as it stands, was what, through until the World Cup, was it? Basically, yes.
2: It was a role as national coach and performance director. So the current contract still stands until I actually get notified from him or his management team that he has accepted the contract with the Australian Rugby League and his contract here is terminated but I haven't officially been informed of that yet.
1: This was probably the only eventuality, wasn't it, that would uh, take him away from completing his role in PNG. Uh, if there was one job that he was going to have to take, it was probably this one.
2: He's made the right decision for his career, and I've got, I've got no problem with that. As I said, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for him, and it's a, a wonderful accolade to have on your CV that I'm the national coach of the Australian Rugby League, and I congratulate him and wish him all the best for that. But it still worries me a bit that you would think that somewhere in his management team in his mind as they would have had the courtesy to probably inform us. I assume they informed the QRL what they were doing prior to the announcement. It would have been nice for us to know.
1: With all the, um, I guess, speculation or assumptions that have been going around, uh, I guess, since Tim Sheen's uh, stepped down from the role and and since uh, Mel Meninga was obviously being touted as a a leading candidate, did you think this was going to be the case? Did you anticipate uh, a conversation at some point? I guess you've only been under the desk a couple of months. Did you think about calling him or...?
2: He was up here 10 days ago and the discussions we had that day was he hadn't made up his mind. As far as he was concerned at that stage, he was still contracted to us because I did ask him everything I read in the paper. He said, yeah, I have been approached, but there's no final decision yet. And he was up here on the 8th and 9th of November.
1: Have you had any time to think about the fact that you're presumably going to have to find a a replacement now?
2: Oh, I, I have for a while. It hasn't been discussed at board level. We've had general discussions around the fact. So we have another board meeting in January which will be discussed. Our first commitment as a PNG Kumuls team will be the Pacific test in Sydney on May 7th next year so we have enough time and, and as I've said previously Coaching the national team is not necessarily getting people in and going through drills and skills and all that. It's more of a man management role for the short period of time you have the players. So my personal preference is not the preference of the board or it's not the preference of anybody else in PNG is that we should appoint a national Papua New Guinean and then we just get a number of mentors who can possibly assist in that manner.
1: Have you got any names in the back of your head? I do, but I can't say.
2: (laughs) No, it it stands to reason to me that our top coach at the moment is Michael Marham, who's doing a really great job with the Queensland Cup side. He probably deserves the opportunity to coach uh, the Kumuls on a one-off basis. It's only a one-off game. It's not like it's a World Cup series where you play two, three or four games. It's just a one-off series for one go. So he probably deserves um, the opportunity. And whether he wants someone to... Assist him in that role during that short period of time. He's only going to have the players together for a week because most of our players are committed, whether with NRL clubs or Q Cup clubs, the week prior to the test. So that'll be a decision that the board will make.
1: That's the Papua New Guinea Rugby League CEO, Bob Cutmore. The Fiji Sevens team made a winning start to the defence of their World Series title in Dubai. The defending champs picked up where they left off at the weekend, beating England 28 17 in the Cup final. It's the fourth time in five years Fiji have won the opening tournament of the season and head coach Ben Ryan was pleased but he isn't getting carried away.
3: I didn't think we played particularly well in the final, in the second half but credit to England, I thought they frustrated us and provided a, a stern test in the final. Fiji have had a lot of success in series openers and you know I'm uh, uh, lucky really that in the three seasons now I've, we've won the two opening games and, and really my first time I got hold of them in, in Dubai as well. Um, so we started every year well I think I get my pre-season right and get the boys in uh, good shape tactically technically and physically so that we're always going to be there or thereabouts in those opening tournaments they were a bit underdone I got them a bit bigger and um, their fitness levels aren't as high as they're going to be later on in the year I think that might catch up with us in Cape Town Um, we know we we targeted Dubai and um, one-off tournaments that's what the Olympics is all about so I think Cape Town uh, is going to be very tough for us and we're going to have to rotate the squad. Uh, Training in Cape Town, I mean, really our focus is on regeneration of the boys. They're pretty tired. Unfortunately, there's a bit of diarrhoea that's swept through the team, a bit of food poisoning. A few other teams have got it as well. So, um, no, certainly uh, we'll be limping into Cape Town, but hopefully uh, by Saturday we'll get them all back on their feet and ready to go. The other teams, well, I think USA obviously played very well. New Zealand, they're going to have to bring in five new players, I think, for Cape Town. South Africa only lost a single game and I'd put them down as favourites. Looking at the draw, they're going to be a tough team to knock over in their home. Our pool, well, I've got a lot of respect for all of them, really. You know, Russia a new team to the series this year after um, being absent as a core team um, and, you know, had some good good games last weekend scotland are an excellent side well coached very good footballers and are going to be a very tough test i think uh, and argentina are only going to get better six new caps in dubai they will learn a lot about how they played against us on friday night and i think we're going to have a tough game against them so i hope the boys show the same amount of respect that i'm going to be showing these teams in the analysis and uh, thought that will go into our pool games
1: Samoa finished 7th in Dubai but were unlucky not to make the semi-finals after conceding a try at the death against New Zealand. Head coach Damien McGrath says it was the biggest test yet for his young squad.
0: It was an enjoyable experience for the players. For a lot of them it was a new thing. We learned a lot of valuable lessons in terms of managing the uh, the step up in, in the intensity. Uh, so we're hoping that that will stand us in good stead for this weekend
1: coming up. In the couple of years prior to your appointment, Samoa had actually introduced a number of new faces into the squad that have been given an opportunity. But obviously you coming in, there were some more new faces. So there was a lot of uh, uh, inexperience in that squad. How do you feel those uh, newcomers went?
0: I was really pleased. The average age of the team is, is 23 our senior players, if you, if you call them that, are, uh, you know uh, Palomino, Salicelli, and um, Leo Lolo. You know they're only 26, so inexperience really, I suppose, is a is an easy thing to throw at the squad. But um, I I prefer to say that we've got youthful vigor in the team, and they're playing with a uh, with an enjoyment and a and a will to succeed.
1: Your five matches in Dubai, um, obviously, you lost to three of the big guns: South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia. Uh, with narrow wins over Scotland and Russia. But I guess if you looked at last year's series, Samoa were also losing those games as well. They weren't just losing to some of the so-called top teams, they were losing to, you know, Minnows or or teams that in the past Samoa would never lose to. So uh, if nothing else, was it pleasing to make sure that you won those games that you would definitely expect to win? And I guess the other games gives you something to to work on and and strive towards?
0: Our goal in the short term was to, to make a quarter-final, first time out. We did that, you know, we were the only... Team in the top eight, that hadn't qualified for Rio, so that was pleasing. We were ten seconds away from a semi-final place. Um, you know, we were robbed against New Zealand. Um, there's a, a terrible um, off-the-ball incident by one of the New Zealand players that blocks one of the Samoan defenders that was missed by the officials, which cost us the game. So, you know, we were one bad decision away from a semi-final place, which would have been a terrific achievement in our first, you know, our first competition.
1: It, it does seem a very open series, you know, from what we saw in Dubai and some of the teams that are really coming through the ranks now, the US really stepping into that top echelon and some of the other teams. So, you know, it's very much a, a um, open game for, for teams to, you know, put a string of results together or, you know, move up.
0: I think there's been a levelling off. Uh, you know, the, the good teams have maintained their standards, but the teams below them have, have really lifted. You know, everybody's capable of beating everybody, I think, you know, in, in a one-off game. Uh, you know, France only lost one game and ended up in the bowl. They, you know, they look very strong. So you know there are some very strong teams, and to make a quarter final, I think you've got to be you know on the top of your game. So there are no easy games in this one, and uh, we know we have to play to a certain level. And you know we want to improve our standing in the world series.
1: What areas are you focusing on uh, leading into Cape Town?
0: Just cutting out our basic errors. Everything that we did wrong last week is, is easily fixable. You know, the games we lost were, we're lost through our own mistakes, and uh, you know it, it's, easy to, it's easier to put those right than it is to fix things when you've been completely outplayed. So we're working on our catching and passing, which really let us down uh, last week. I was really pleased with our breakdown work and our general defence stuff. So just the basics. If we, if we can be more consistent in the basics, then we can be more consistent uh, in the higher positions throughout the year.
1: And uh, in light of what happened in Dubai, you'd be looking forward to taking on those Kiwis again in the uh, group stage. And you mentioned France had a good tournament as well. They're of course in your pool, so a tough, uh, a tough ask to get through to the quarterfinals again.
0: Oh, this is going to be a much, uh, a much harder, harder group for us. Canada uh, are the other team in the group. They're no pushover. France are really going to be very difficult. They, you know, we're going to be if, if we can uh, put up a good show against them, I'll be very pleased. And New Zealand, you know, they're undeniably one of the top dogs. And it was great confidence to the players, you know, that they played so well against them and pushed them so close last week. And as I said, we we have a sense of injustice in how we were beaten. So that's an extra spur for us to, you know, to perform when we play them.
1: What's the health of uh, the Samoan team? Any changes to your squad or is everyone feeling OK?
0: We played throughout last week with only 11 players. So, uh, Peter 4 has uh, flown home and we've got a replacement coming in uh, and a couple of our walking wounded have uh, been unable to train this week, but uh, we're hoping they're going to be fit. So, I'm touching wood as a speech. I'm hoping that we'll have 12 fit players on the field uh, come the weekend. But, you know, again, it's a, it's a testament to the intensity and the, the toughness of, of World Sevens now that, you know, Teams struggle to keep 12 fit players throughout the tournament because it really is, uh, it, it, not only uh, physically and mentally is it a tough pass, but you know, the attrition level that, that, that comes with it uh, really puts a demand on the players. So I think all teams are going to be in the same boat. No one's really got a 12 fully fit players after a really tough week in Dubai.
1: That's the Samoa Sevens coach Damien McGrath. The Pacific Games Council is worried by the lack of progress in Vanuatu towards the 2017 mini-games. Demolition work was due to begin in March on the main stadium in Port Vila, but was delayed following Cyclone Pam. Nine months on, the Corman site remains dormant, with local organisers waiting on the government and Chinese contractors. The Executive Director of the Pacific Games Council, Andrew Minogue, says there's a lot of work ahead.
4: We do have some concerns up there, and the full executive board were meeting in Port Vila last week those concerns right up to the Prime Minister, who we met on Friday. Clearly, the Chinese government have made the commitment to to redevelop Corman, which is the main stadium site in Port Villa, and if they go ahead and do that as planned, then we're going to have most of the games venues provided at that site. Obviously, the cyclone set things back a little bit. Right now, the Chinese government are completing the uh, convention centre in the middle of town, and once that's finished, we understand they'll turn their attention to the Corman site and the sports venues that we need for the mini-games. We also have the unfortunate situation up there at the moment with the Parliament being dissolved and quite a bit of political instability. And at no stage in the last four years since they got the games has the government or the opposition said that we don't want them. Uh, and that was the message we got last week. The PM uh, made some uh, agreements with the PGC to basically get the project back on track. And the opposition who we met with had previously been in government when they when they won the bid, highly supportive of Vanuatu hosting the games, it's just now a question of just getting everybody focused and moving on with it. So we're confident at this stage that it will happen. The game's still two years away, but a lot needs to happen and fairly quickly.
1: Is it at a point where you feel like there needs to be a contingency potentially for a worst-case scenario?
4: We're looking at all options. As I said, I think at this stage, the, the confidence is there that Vanuatu can host these games and they should host them. They won the bid in a competitive environment back in 2011 with a couple of other bidders. We have a general assembly there next May in Port Vila, which is going to be a great opportunity for the full games community to basically sit down and just see where they are with things. And I suggest if there's been no significant progress between now and May, then that sort of contingency planning will probably have to ramp up a bit. But as I said, we're confident that that Vanuatu can do this. They've just got to focus their minds and and get on with the job.
1: So who's sort of waiting on who? Because I guess you've got the organising committee, you've got the government, and then you've got the Chinese who are obviously involved in building a lot of the venues and a lot of the construction. Uh, Is it a case of some of those parties being ready and organised, but needing sort of, I guess, the boxes ticked from others and, and just getting those three into sync somehow?
4: It's all of them. It's the Chinese with making sure that they're ready to go on the project as soon as possible. I mean, the agreements are all in place, but we want to see the tender companies selected and, and the work programme actually commencing with the government. and The organising committee, when they bid to host the Games and, and sign our host city contract, the government agrees to underwrite the Games. And at this stage, the organising committee, while it has formed, it doesn't have an adequate budget, and government needs to put some money in to make sure that you know, we've got a professional staff there that can actually start delivering some serious planning and and delivery. So it's it's all of those aspects coming together that uh, we need to see some progress in the next couple of months.
1: And in light of the fact that you know these delays since Cyclone Pam have you know gone to Long. something like nine months, um, yeah, a, a you know what sort of date do you think? venues could be finished by, is it going to be a close-run thing?
4: They're looking at, uh, and they've always been looking at, completing the venue construction programme in June 2017, which will make at least a three-month period before the Games start for any testing or overruns that need to be taken care of. And I guess we saw that in Port Wasby, didn't we, where some of the venues were delivered right up until the time of the Games, and we still had a good quality competition that unfolded but in getting to that June 2017 completion date we've obviously got to do a lot of work and, and make sure that they're ready to go and start the work in the new year so, so it's a very critical time is why we are up there last week.
1: That's the Executive Director of the Pacific Games Council, Andrew Minogue. Pacific weightlifters remain upbeat despite falling just short of Olympic qualification at last month's World Championships. The region had 15 lifters from 11 countries competing in Houston where the likes of Russia, China and North Korea dominated proceedings. But many did not make the trip, including the entire Samoan team. Papua New Guinea's Dekataua finished in 20th place in the women's 55 kilogram division and was just 5 kilograms shy of earning her country a qualifying spot in Rio. The General Secretary of the Oceania Weightlifting Federation, Paul Coffer, says the world champs is a near-impossible scenario for Pacific lifters, so they focus on other events instead.
5: One lifter. The one lift, 109 kilos. Second attempt, being jerk, would have placed in the top 12, 13th in the world, and uh, and qualifying for the Olympics. So the figure, really, we don't look at those figures. We're looking at the fact that how close we can qualify, how close at Pacific Island, at a chance of qualifying. Uh, it was only a matter of one lift. It was a, only a matter of one lift of uh, Morea uh, from PNG also. So it's uh, generally winning. It was a case of um, one lift could have made a difference, and that lift wasn't there. And, uh, and that's what upset me, because um, we had a chance. The tour did 110 clean and jerk in Port uh, Moresby. She, she should have done it, but uh, she did it 109 to qualify on her own merit. And that's a big thing when you're talking about 140 countries, and you've got an islander there qualifying on her own merit, but she didn't. But she will qualify here at the Oceanian Championships. So really I'm not worrying about what they did there, it's a case of worrying about the actual lift, why we filed on the final lift rather than what pace she got because we know that uh, it's so close, the competition, uh, that uh, five kilos difference uh, jumps from uh, 10 to 20 and so on. So I didn't do too bad. and obviously, we could have qualified two, three lifters, but we didn't. And uh, we just got a white nail till the Oceanian Championships in Suva in the month of May, and that's where they will qualify. They will qualify as a team or individually, but they will qualify. So,
1: so how many lifters does the region have qualified on mirrors at this point?
5: No, no, no one. No one qualified. It's impossible to. The, the standard is. Not world class, it's higher than that, the standard. We have no one qualified so far. We will have possibly about eight, nine countries qualifying here in Suva uh, as a team. So um, we will have very good numbers, again, in Rio. That's about 14, 15 metres, including Australia, and New Zealand. As a team, you cannot qualify for world championships. There is no chance. Because you have to have a full eight-man team. If you have one man, like PNG did, what chance do you have? Bonaru or Nauru, or Karabati, or New Zealand? We only had one person, Victor, one representation. So we cannot qualify as a team. But you can individually, individually, yeah. Yeah, individually you could qualify, but last time we only had two, either the Tenamo and uh, a New Meganfield. This year, we had a chance of three, but they didn't. They filed the last lift, and, uh, and we missed out. It's not a big problem because they will qualify at the Oceania. Either way, they will go and qualify. They will be in Rio.
1: The top five men's and four women's teams from the event in Suva will each qualify one lifter for Rio. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. Thank you very much for listening.